Welcome to the Leicester Startups Podcast, a podcast here to shine a light on the entrepreneurial talent that we have in our city. This series has been made possible thanks to the Leicester Co-working Project and our partners on that project, the Leicester Leicestershire Enterprise Partnership, the LEP, the University of Leicester and De Montfort University, the LCB Depot and the Cooperative and Social Enterprise Development Agency, CASE. This particular episode is taken from the Leicester Startup Week, which we held in February 2021. This one is a chat between Ben Revillius from Leicester Startups and serial entrepreneur David Chan. David explains why you shouldn't ask your customers questions like, what do you think of my idea? Or how much would you pay for it? This session was all about how to ask the sorts of questions that give you real actionable data. Let's get into it. Yeah, so I, I guess the, the term was invented by somebody called Steve Blank, who's, who's the father of, of the lean startup methodology. And um, now he actually wrote a book on this. Uh, I can't remember when it was published, um, but it's, uh, it's basically four stages. And so customer development is customer discovery, um, customer validation, customer creation, and then company growth, I guess. Um, and, but a lot of this talk is actually on the, on the first, maybe first phase and second phase. But the first phase, there's, a, there's also, um, Rob Fitzpatrick wrote a really good book on, called The Mum Test that covers how to talk to, to customers. So that customer discovery bit, which is the earlier stage, um, will be is basically what we're going to cover in this talk. Right. Um, and, and for the benefit of uh, viewers, the, the mom test, spelled the American spelling of mom, M-O-M, um, by Rob Fitzpatrick is a really, really good book. Um, I, I, I only re- read it a couple of years ago, which I'm embarrassed to say was probably about 10 years too late, but um, a really, really good read. And if you've ever tried to do this before, or if you've tried to sell a product to customers prematurely, you read this book, you will quickly see where... <laughs> where you were going wrong um so i thoroughly recommend it and and, and, and as david said we're going to try and uh, try and cover much of uh, what that uh that, that talks about so my my first question about customer development i guess is what does it actually look like and when do you do it so i guess you do it as as early as possible as soon as you have an idea for something you 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 try and validate that um with um with people around you or, or I guess initially you'll be people that you know but eventually you have to try and reach people that that uh, would actually use the software. You, you talked about people that you know and I guess the that the, the idea that the, the name of the book the mum test is is kind of playing on the idea that if you ask your mum whether she thinks it's a good business idea or not she's going to give you a uh, an answer which probably isn't truthful or useful because she loves you and she doesn't want to embarrass you or disappoint you, right? Um, so talking to people who don't necessarily have any emotional attachment to you or, 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 or indeed don't know you is, is usually the right thing, yeah? Yeah, so so I guess the, so the book goes into the, the even if you do talk to your mum, you know, make sure you embed the question in, in, in historic occurrence. Don't you know don't so typically you should never say things like you know do you like this idea or do you think it'll work would you ever buy this um just don't try and and get to the roots of the problem and look at historically how they have coped with that problem if if they have 
So um, if, if the potential answer to your question can be, um, it's lovely, dear, you're, you're, <laughs> you're probably asking the wrong question, right? Um, so, so it's something to do really early on. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you've done it historically? How have you solicited those initial conversations with prospective customers? What, what routes have you taken to get those, get those conversations? Um, so I, I guess two, two routes. One, you use your network. Um, you use people that you know, and, and you, you sort of do custom development on them. And then, and then at the end, hopefully they will know somebody that you can, that you can talk to. So that's one way of doing it. So, those, so those, those people might help you partly kind of as a warm-up act, I suppose, but also then to, to make good connections from genuine strangers. Yeah, and yeah. I think that the, the sort of the contacts that I have, because because they're in the startup ecosystem and they know about this, they will ask me hard questions anyway, right from the get go. Right. Um, so, um, but then they will refer me on to to other people who are closer to to, to being a customer, and so that's the route number one. The, the second route is is I attend a lot of meetups, so you know I, I spend a fair amount of time in London. In the evenings, I will go to meetups. You just talk to random people that you were sitting next to or, or before or afterwards. Um, and, and you just practice sort of uh, uh, talking to people. And you have no idea whether they're going to have this problem. And, and you're, right. slowly, you're slowly discovering whether, whether they have the problem that you're interested in. And if right. they don't, it doesn't matter. You can still have a conversation about other things. So from a, from a sort of pers personal skills perspective, it does require you to talk to strangers, which we're <laughs> all told not to do as children. But um, now, crucially, this isn't about selling at this point, is it? And maybe that's a good thing because that's not quite so daunting, right? Yeah, you're, you're basically, you're interviewing people to see whether, whether this, what you're, what the problem that you're trying to solve is something that they experience. Um, and you're trying to get closer and closer to people who, who do experience that problem. So at no point should you ever go into selling mode, right? Because that early on, it's about, it's about trying to solve, finding out whether they have that problem, how big the problem is, how much time does it take? Does it cost them anything? So you're, it's effectively research. It's, it's research on, on the problem. And, and if, you did, if you did try to sell or pitch to them at that point, what's likely to go wrong what what would what would happen what would you miss out on well they'll most people are, are nice, especially strangers they, they'll never be rude to you they'll say oh yeah that's a nice idea and and, and that's it you know it should be glib comments that that actually don't get you anywhere i mean they'll make maybe they'll make you they'll feel good but in reality you want real data you want you want um um, you well, first of all, you want to get to people who have that problem. Yeah. And then once you get to them, you find out how, how deep that problem is um, and what current solutions they use to fix it um, and all those things. But it's yeah. very much based on uh, historical evidence, right? There's no... Right. Yeah. So the, his, the historical side of things, now that's, that's really crucial to this technique is um, because if you ask people about something in the future or indeed try and sell something to them, you're inviting people to give you lip service, right? To give you an answer you might want to hear because they don't want to offend you. Um, and, and that lip service can go either way, can't it? They, 
they could tell you to get lost, but secretly they quite like your thing. <laughs> More often they'll say, yeah, that's nice, so as, so as not to offend you, right? Um, but it's really important to be talking about their, their lives prior to now, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, you have to base it on very historical things that they've done to, to try and overcome this problem. Or, or if they, sometimes you'll come across people who don't know they have that problem. And, um, and they'll, so they'll interview you about, about um, um, how, you know, what, what the problem is. Because uh, yeah. they probably haven't experienced it. They've probably experienced it, but haven't known they've experienced it. So, so they end up interviewing you about, about uh, how does it manifest itself, et cetera, to see whether it, it occurs in, in their lives. Um, and that's good too, because they ask you quite tough questions when they get into it. And, and it, it's having to, it's forcing you to actually come up with, to think about the problem from their point of view and try and see whether, how much it will affect them. So, right. and, and because you're not selling, ideally this is an exercise that's very much about listening and, and that's the whole sort of theme of it isn't it is to, is, right. is to be listening and you, I mean I suppose you could pitch something at the end of a conversation if you really had something to sell but that's kind of not really the not really the point of it is it yeah that's not really the point and in fact that the once a once a conversation gets going I mean eventually because you're talking about that problem they they you eventually way down the line start talking about you know ways to solve this yeah. um um and discussing the options and stuff like that and so uh, by then they've probably realized that this this is what you're doing anyway yes yeah, so, sure. uh, but, um, but, but, the, but the format is such that they didn't feel like they were under pressure to get a checkbook out or, or, or whatever right yeah yeah now you you used a, you used an important phrase there um you described it as a conversation um now clearly if you just had a completely random conversation you might go off at a complete tangent and not get anything useful whatsoever. Is, is there a good sort of guide for how kind of formalized or, or, or what the things you want to know from those people should be before you go talking to people so that you do at least have a, I was going to use the word script, but that's perhaps too strong a word for it. Is it, is it a good idea to have some sort of list of killer things you want to tackle or at least address in those conversations? Um, at the back of my mind, yeah, but, but it, I'll never force the conversation to go there. Right. It will. It will naturally go there if if, if it can. Right. Um, so you, initially, you're just concentrating on the, the actual problem or the need and how it affects their lives currently. Yeah. Um, uh, I try not to to lead them to to a place. You know, um, it's better if they go there themselves. Got you. So this is kind of like the antipathy of sending somebody a survey. And I, I mean, I've seen a lot of rookie startup founders. They want to do some customer research. They've got, you know, they've got half a day to do it and, and they get on SurveyMonkey or something and do a survey where there are set questions sort of yes, no, don't know, good, bad, okay, rubbish sort of thing. Um, what, what happens if you try to do customer development via surveys? Or what doesn't happen? Um, I mean, th those particular questions—they—they, they, you're not really getting good data. It's just—it's just people, you know, ticking. You ideally you want to discuss the actual problem themselves. You know, how, 
uh, in the past, um, have you experienced this problem? How did it manifest itself, etc.? Um, rather than, you know, is this is is this idea any good, um, or, or is this product something you'd be interested in? Well, yeah. So, um, pr probably the most important thing to look at, I guess, and what the Mum Test book goes into in much detail is some examples of some good and bad um, questions to ask. And, and I think you just asked one of the worst ones ever. I wondered if we could go through, if, you, if you've got some archetypal questions that people ask that are good and some that are bad and, and talk about why, why those are good or bad. Yeah, so, um, so I've, got, I've got a list of them here. So, um, so is this a good idea? That's a really bad question. Um, is it something you think you'll buy? Because um, if you if you ask something hi a hypothetical, then then they may just pop you off and say, yeah, it's something I might buy. Um, it's so not they're giving, really they're giving you a hypothetical response, in fact, aren't they? Because uh, they, they might buy it and they might like it, but yeah. Um, so yeah, do you like it? Um, or how much would you pay for this? All of those are, are theoretical. Um, so all of those things are really bad. You should, you should instead just look at, look at specific instances in the past where they've actually um, had this problem and how have they overcome it? You know, maybe they, they tried to overcome it themselves or they looked for a service and couldn't find anything and just let the problem be or you know, all, all those things, all those historical things and how they've reacted to. Okay. So, so, the, so the killer thing really is about asking about past tense sort of questions about what you did or what you were frustrated with and, and never asking about what you plan on doing or what you might do because that can't be guaranteed and can't be trusted. However honest the person might be, they don't necessarily know what they're going to be doing tomorrow. Um, that's, that's, that's the killer one, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. You, you, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to know whether they will ever buy something. Um, you you definitely it, sometime down the line you can you can have that conversation about about what your solution is and and, and stuff like that. But initially, it's a bad idea to, to do that because you want you want good data. You want um, you want something useful that you can collate from from many people and work out whether this idea that you have. Legs or not. Right. Okay. So you so I think you've touched on another really important thing there is in, in terms of the numbers of conversations you, you need to be having and, and what you're looking for, what, what's the signal, what's the needle moving in that customer development process, and, and how many people might you need to be talking to, to to see that needle move. Um I, I think I think you know early on. Um so when you talk to people and you find people who who um you find enough people who, who have that problem because maybe a lot of people that you talk to don't have that problem, but, and, um, and so you have to keep on looking. Now, if you keep on looking and don't find anyone or, or just find a few people who have that, it really narrows the market. And, and you have to make a decision at a point whether, whether this is, um, it, it's a worthwhile thing or not. Um, now it just so happens that I happen to be in, in cybersecurity, and 
And of course, everyone knows that that um, cybersecurity is important, etc. Um, but most people you talk to just don't care, right? They, they basically say, "Well, you know, I'm 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 not. I know about privacy and, and security and all that, but actually, I'm happy with whatever it is I'm doing." So, so, so even though you may have um, an idea to solve something that you know everyone everyone has that problem, you have to figure out whether the, how much they're willing to actually, um, or in the past, how much they've tried to overcome that problem. And, right. and security and, 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 and cybersecurity in general affects everyone. But I know from experience, it's really rare that you find a person who, who says, yeah, I'm, I'm really tight on, on you know, my cyber hygiene, et cetera. So it's a bit like it's a bit like trying to sell rocket science or nuclear physics to somebody. It may affect their lives through things they don't even realise, but that's whether they whether they recognise it in their own lives and want to buy something in relation to it. So completely different matter. I guess um, I guess in in terms of those conversations, you have to make a call on whether if if say only ten percent of the people you speak to show an interest or or appear to have had your problem, you have to make a call. Is it could still be a very high value market. It's just smaller than you thought. There are less people, but maybe they'd pay more. Or it could be telling you that the whole premise of it is is bogus and should, should be moved on from sort of thing. Yeah. So so when you when you talk to people who and, and you find out why they they're interested or, or if they've dealt with that problem, you have to dig in to find out why they they actually took those steps um, because. It's certainly in terms of cybersecurity, most people just don't bother. Um, and so once you've, once you've met people who, who have taken additional steps to, to uh, improve their, their security, then, then you find out why, what, what's the thing that, that drove them. And so you're slowly learning about the actual, the actual um, things that they think about to take those steps. And then if you, if you learn that, I don't know, maybe parents, parents with kids that, that, that are where they've just given them their, the first phone, maybe they're worried about the, you know, uh, certain aspects of security there. And so maybe that's a driver, right? And so if you, if you, if you work out that, that um, I guess these days people give their, kids get their first phone when they were, I don't know, 10, something like that, maybe 11. Um, so you then start looking for people who, who have kids where they've just given them a phone, right? And you talk to them um, to see whether they care about this problem or not. That, um, that example throws up a really interesting one about making sure you're actually talking to the customer as opposed to somebody who might in fact be a user. Um, it's that same issue with Google. You know, we think of ourselves as Google users, but we're, we're actually parts of the products, aren't we? So right, yeah. if you interviewed, in the case of the example you've just given, if you interviewed the children rather than the parents, you might get a very, very different response. And, and the same could, could not the same apply if you were trying to sell to enterprise. If you're not having the customer development conversations with the person who makes the decision or indeed the person who's close to the buying sort of process, you're potentially getting lip service, even though they might be very excited about what you're doing you're potentially getting lip service without realizing because you're talking to the wrong person. Is that, is that, is that right? 
Yeah, so actually you, you raise another thing because a lot of people that in, in startups, they think, well, I want to go and talk to the CEO or, or to, depending on the, the problem, they want to go talk to the top person, you know, the CFO, CMO, whatever. And, and typically that, that's the wrong approach. You want to find the person who really has the problem lower down, who has to deal with this issue. And it's typically not the, the person at the top. Um, and then once you've reached that person, you can see, you can talk to them about how big the problem is, how, how, how difficult it is to overcome. You're trying to, you're essentially working out whether, whether what you're trying to do has any value. It's only way after that that you then can go and talk to the, the CEO or, or the stakeholder or the payer to then, to then um, say, you know, you, you have this problem. It, it's, you're losing this much money or, or you're taking on these risks, but um, initially, if you go and talk to the CEO, they won't have a clue whether how big that problem is within their company, because they they won't have visibility on that. So perhaps in that scenario where you're selling to a, a multifaceted multifaceted company or, or a hierarchical company, your your customer development um, conversation um, again without actually heading into proper sales territory, but part of that might be about trying to understand their hierarchy and finding out who would actually authorize this and who, who might purchase it, even though you're, you're not asking them to buy there and then. Is that, is that, is that something you could, you could do during customer development? Yeah, so there, there is, it's slightly different because, because although you're trying to find the person who, whose responsibility is, is to fix that problem, or overcome that problem or deal with that problem, in any company, there are lots of stakeholders. And so the, the purchase decision right at the end is made by many, many people, you know, that, the uh, procurement has a say, maybe legal has a say, customer service has a say. So whatever solution um, eventually that, that you want to put forward to them, um, there are many stakeholders and you have to think about what all those other departments may think about your solution um, in, in, you know, how does it affect them, if it does affect them in any way. Um, and, and yes, you do have to talk to them, but you can't really talk to them about the same problem you have to talk about their view of if you're talking to i don't know um the 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 cfo for example they're probably more interested in value for money rather than you know the actual fix to the to the problem so so you you're you're then having a very different conversation to them about about what you're trying to do Okay, good. So um, just going back to the, the, the sort of appropriate questions to ask, and obviously, I mean, the mum test is got really loads of really good examples, but are there some classic killer questions that probably apply to most situations, most businesses doing early stage customer development, um, so, something that or variations of which most people should be, should be asking? That's a, that's a tough one because you, because so the first thing you have to do is when you, whenever you talk about that, um, when you, you're talking to, to other people is you have to make it about them, right? That's the most important thing. A, a lot of people have take this view that they, they want to say things, but that's the wrong approach. You have to think about the person you're talking to and their, their lives, their, their working lives, so to speak, um, whether they have that problem. And so whatever it is you want to say, it doesn't, 
shouldn't really come into it. Um, right. So it it's, it, yet again, it's the antipathy of being a, a, a fast buck salesperson. It's more like almost being a counsellor and put it, having him on the couch and saying, well, okay, what, what troubled you this week or last year when you did this sort of thing, right? Well, I, I guess it's, it's uh, I mean, you, do, you don't ask totally open-ended questions. You, you do guide them to a particular area so that you can have a discussion about this. But at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to find out what their experience of that area is. Um, and um, it, it's, you know, it, it could be to do with their private lives or their, or their working lives. Um, and they may not have that problem. Um, so it, it's, you're, you're asking questions to slowly hone in on, on the area that, that you're interested in or, or that well, the, the area that that problem covers. Right. Um, but you have no idea whether, whether they have that problem. So it, it's, it's hard to say that there's definitely a good question to ask. It's, um, you just have to find out just make it about them and so you should be guided by their their experiences and and and, and what they do is there is there any suggestions you can come up with with regarding the initial approach when however you do it whether it's a, a, a cold call or an introduction um because presumably that first approach where you're soliciting that conversation could also fall foul of a mum test because it could look like you're you're trying to sell something so is there some good a good way of wording your intro email or whatever it is that that's you know making it clear that this this isn't going to be a, a sales thing okay so if it's an email that i assume it's a cold email then it's it's quite different because because you're not having really having a conversation you're, pre you're, you're presenting something um but even then, it shouldn't be about your product. It should be about the problem. Um, and there, I guess you would you would directly ask, "Do you have this this particular problem?" And you would name that problem. Um, so you might say, "So might you say, um, I've, I've, um, I'm researching a business idea related to this. I wondered if you, I could trouble you for for some time to discuss that. Yeah, Something like we're, that." We're collecting data, um, and and it's it's a survey based on 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 the research. Um, I think I think these days that's happening less often. It, ideally, you want to call someone. You want to talk to somebody um, because yeah, because I'm not suggesting is, is yeah, I'm not suggesting you have the whole conversation by email. Far from it. But that soliciting that first uh, that first conversation, you might you might do by LinkedIn or email or anything like that, right? Um, and I'm wording in that such a way that they're not immediately saying no to you is, is presumably quite important. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess um, it's uh, you have to to basically um, lead them to to talk about a specific area, um, and and yeah, you're you're just gathering data on 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 how big that problem is. But even if it's a cold email, you want it eventually to become a conversation over the phone, say. Yeah. Um, but I I don't do that. Um, that often, I guess the, the way I tend to do it now, it, it's either meetups where I'll talk about a particular area that, that I'm involved in um, and it's just chat, you know, it's just random chat when you meet them, a stranger um, and they, they'll typically um, ask each other sort of, you know, what area they work in, etc. 
Um, and then you just have the general conversation about that, that topic. And it may be that you would never end up going to talk about that problem that you're interested in finding out, uh, you know, whether they have that. Um, and sometimes you do. Um, so it really, you know, don't try and force a conversation down a particular path. I've, uh, we've had a question to... linked to that, Ben. Go for it. In the chat. So kind of what, building on that, um, how could you replicate your meetup strategy in a COVID world? Um, anything to add there, obviously, with things being, you know, online, the etiquette around approaching people perhaps in a, uh, an event like this? Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, I, I have um, done sort of uh, conversations recently um, uh, surrounding this, but because it's not a random meetup, like this it's because you can't unless that you can go to a breakout room and have individual conversations it's more to do with using your network that so you start reaching out to people in your network to, to discuss things and then if you know that they don't have that problem maybe they they know people who do um, and they'll just forward you on they'll introduce you to to other people in their network who, who are closer to to that problem but and then I will have a, a Zoom call with that person. But even then, I, it wouldn't be about selling. It, it's basically you're doing research on on that problem space. So you're, so it does sound like um, using your network and sort of leveraging that is quite significant and is often the best way because presumably you're going to get introductions are always going to be better than completely cold approaches, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and because... It, I mean, although I have attended a fair number of Zoom meetups, it's really hard. You, you can't just talk to one person randomly, right? It's it, because everyone, it's, it's one communication channel. Um, and I guess you could, you, you could see the list of people and, and reach out to them afterwards. That's a possible way. I, I guess um, virtual things has made, it's kind of taken away the informality that where, where the most sort of useful serendipitous things happen. If I, if I think about the events that I might have run a, a year and a half ago, um, obviously you have the formal talk at the beginning, but it's when everybody's stopped, you know, when, when the formal formality stopped and everyone is standing around or they move to the coffee shop or pub, that's, that's when the really important stuff happens. And that's when the, the really important conversations happen, either, either between, the, between the presenter and the audience or between audience members. And, that, and that's been kind of, taken away from us a little bit hasn't it it's uh, it's made that diff that much more difficult yeah yeah um sam do we have any other questions that it looks like the one or two that quite good yeah um so oh yeah another one uh do you i think you've you've touched on this already do you think it's a good idea to segment oh where's that gone uh uh do you think it's a good idea to segment potential customer types early or focus on one persona early uh, only. Uh, okay, so, yeah. So this is a, a common question. You should not focus on one persona early because you're making too many assumptions hmm. about whether that's a valid um, persona or not. You should go as broad as possible and slowly weed out the the, the ones where you know they definitely don't have. That you shouldn't make assumptions. They've they've been. Um, a number of startups where they've made assumptions about who their customers are and, and it ended up not being, you know, they, they ended up sort of finding customers in, in um, elsewhere. Now, 
I know within the, the startup ecosystem, you, you're supposed to, you know, go down to a niche and, and, and find your tribe or whatever you want to call it. But initially you have to go broad. And then as you learn, you can narrow it down as you learn them or, or as you learn more, you can identify three or four customer segments and, and you just concentrate on those four. But eventually you want to, you want to get down to one um, and then you can just concentrate on that. Hopefully it'll be the, the biggest one, the, the most important one. And, and then you can tailor your, your questioning and your messages down to that one. But initially you go broad. I've, I've, I've had personal experience of that because um, one of our pro um, products, Participol, which is a, an audience polling solution, um, was invented by a mathematics lecture, lecturer at, at um, University of Leicester. And he, uh, we, we all assumed that because he was using it and his colleagues liked it, he, he just sort of done a demo version of it. He, we all assumed that academics would be the primary users. Um, but when we started putting it out there and letting people sort of try it for free, and, and indeed when people started buying it, it was apparent that whilst there were some academics using it, the real segment that was motoring was um, healthcare and pharmaceutical people and, and sort of training people in a completely different segment. And we had no prior vision of that whatsoever. And, and I think if we decided, you know, made that presumption that it was just, uh, just uh, you know, for, for academia, yeah, we would have, we probably would have had some sales, but probably only like a quarter of what we've got now, just because we started started with a very open mind as to who might like it. Um, so that's that was certainly a powerful thing we learned very early on. Yeah, I guess I guess that's why within customer development, the first phase is called customer discovery, where you, where you're trying to discover your customers, and and you should go broad as broad as possible, and and again, don't try and concentrate on talking to the the top people at a company you need to find within the company people who actually are dealing with this problem um if it's a b2b solution that and that's exactly what we find it's the people doing training within a within a pharmaceutical company and that's not necessarily the ceo at all and the ceo might never do training or, or if they did it was years ago so um <clears throat> i don't know if we properly answered the one about um replicating sort of meetup strategy and such like in a, in a COVID world, it, it is clearly more difficult, but presumably this is where networks and communities just become all that more powerful, don't they? And doing it that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Going um, going to, to sort of online meetups, trying to, to meet people there. Um, I have, um, so more recently, maybe in the past month, um, I have attended sort of, um, sessions, and I'm trying to remember the the name of the of the website, but it's different formats for for Zoom meetings, where it's more of a, a 3D game where you're you're an avatar and you have. A, have you been on you've been on chat roulette again, Dave? <laughs> yeah, it's not called chat roulette, but it's but you're in a you're in a room and and you can see all the other people and you can just you, you can just you know wander around and 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 talk to them. So it's a so it's trying to replicate that informal, um, that informal sort of uh, thing that you get for, for real life meetups. Um, given you're in that, that that very situation right now, and you're doing customer development, have you have you perhaps at the moment been doing more of that via either direct cold calls or emails than you might have done a year ago, sort of thing? Or yeah, no. Uh, I, I mean, we're still really early. I mean, we're we're still really early in our journey. So at the moment, we're just we're just um, um, using our network, 
Um, we're, I guess we're now on to the, 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 the next level. So one, you know, one hop away. Um, so everyone that we've spoken to recently has been someone that, that we've been referred to. Um, and, and are you, uh, are you at that, are you still at the point where you could very easily radically change the course of your business, depending on those conversations? Cause one of the things I've noticed and, and the same, <clears throat> excuse me, same applies when people are doing marketing is often people go away and spend six months building something and then say, right now we need to do some marketing. And, and that actually the same would apply. That would be a bad idea. And the same would apply with customer development. If you do that, um, well, it's not the end of the world, but you might end up tearing everything up and almost starting from scratch if the results you got weren't expected. Yeah, so we've been, I guess we've been doing customer development for, for maybe just over a month. And, and we did switch after about two weeks. We, we did not, not pivot entirely, but we did change the emphasis of our, of, of, uh, or, or tweak the, the problem space differently. Um, and that's gotten much better response. So how many people? How many people have you spoken to so far? Oh, uh, maybe two dozen. Right. Um, um, so, yeah, it's it's. Um, and that's already beginning to show. You're beginning to see a, a needle move, albeit perhaps in a slightly different direction from what you anticipated. Yeah. Um, to to some extent, yes. Uh, I, I think we're still early. In, in that journey. So I, I, um, we're still moving towards people who really have that problem. So, so the, the, I guess the first, we've, we've spoken to our direct contact and then they've referred us to, to the next, uh, to the next um, layer, so to speak. And, and we're getting closer to people who really have that problem. But we, we, I don't think we're there yet. We've probably been introduced to organizations that definitely had that problem, but not to the person dealing with that problem. Right, so you're actually, and it's an important stage, which I guess maybe people would overlook is this idea of before you're even doing the, the direct conversations with the target people is prospecting really, isn't it? Um, but again, not, not for sales conversations, but prospecting so that you can, you know, via your, via your various degrees of separation, you can end up talking to the right person. And that's a big part of it before you even have a single, real customer conversation yeah but but it, you have to bear in mind that even those initial conversations or the, the we're still trying to discover whether they have the problem um, right so they and, might surprise you and the first person you talk might be a bang on and you didn't realize it but equally they might be a, another degree of separation away from a, from a, a hit yeah. as it were. And, and, yeah. and we don't know we don't make any assumptions when we first talk to them about whether they have this problem or not, or not because you know the, because although we know them quite well, we don't actually know their day-to-day -day working um, life. So, um, so yeah. Um, so you do you do have to you do have to sort of bear in mind that that you need those referrals, and, and you're trying to get closer and closer to to the people who have that problem. Great. Sam, I think you were going to... Yeah, no, so just to circle back to the COVID one again, I remember a couple of our accelerator participants from the, the November cohort talked about Lunch Club. They found that a really useful... I think it's lunchclub.ai. I might have got that wrong around. Um, uh, so, yeah, just to throw that out as a suggestion for um, interesting conversations with uh, potentially very relevant or highly skilled individuals in your, uh, across all sorts of sectors. 
Um, are there any other questions we've got up on uni? Yeah. So um, when asking a question via email to facilitate a Zoom conversation later on, oh, this is more of sort of advice. Uh, oh, no, no, there is a question. Is it a good idea to also introduce yourself in detail? If so, how to avoid that sounding too markety? Um, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't, I don't think that you should introduce yourself or the company yeah, because yeah, that it, um, you're you should basically say that you're you're investigating material or you're doing research, um, but you don't necessarily have to to talk about yourself or the company. Would Would you explicitly say I'm I, I, this isn't a sales call and I won't be selling anything? Is that a good a good part of your sort not of really? And I, I don't think I've ever said that, but mm -hmm. I. I um, if I do a cold email, it will be about directly about the problem. Right. Know, even the heading would be problem. Um, it could be just as blatant as you know. Do you uh, have you suffered you know a hacking attempt in the last year? Or I mean, that's probably you know. Um, uh, but you would you would basically think about the problem that you're trying to solve and come up with questions that that directly relate to that problem right. and then um but i know i actually know um of a few startups who they do th their primary um, um outreach is via email and they do um they do campaigns two campaigns a week right so they'll do a b testing different questions um, and they'll slowly tweak questions over the course of months um, and and see whether how people respond do they click on the link to go through to find more data. So there's, um, so that whole growth, you know, growth hacking um, side of things, it's, uh, um, that's a totally different subject, but it is, it is based on, um, and the, the example of a company I, I can think of is initially they were pitching themselves as a company, et cetera. And they slowly morphed into asking uh, direct questions about the problem and almost looking as if they were researchers rather than a company selling something. I think I've had an example of that actually. So we, we had somebody approach us about um, uh, our co-working space, um, but it turned, and, and it was, oh, we're really interested in it. And it turned out actually they were trying to sell broadband to us, but they, they actually hijacked, they hijacked my sympathy to customer development interviews. I thought, yeah, it's a startup. Of course, I'll take the call. By the end of it, they were clearly they had no interest in co-working whatsoever, and were trying to pitch broadband to me, which was great, but complete waste of time in that instance. So, uh, yeah, nice try. <laughs> um, tell me about you got earlier. You were talking about um, kind of digging in and getting to the bottom of what people's pain points are, and. Um, I was reminded of, um, I, I, I don't know if this is facetious or whether people really do this, but you know the technique they call the, the five whys. Um, is, is, that, is, that, is that real or is that, uh, if it is, do you want to talk about, about, a bit about that? Okay, so the, the, when you dig that deep, uh, especially the five whys, it can be a bit annoying. So, you, so when you yeah. talk to customers, it's, uh, you know, if you're constantly asking, you know, why do you do that? Or, or then, yeah, you 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 certainly don't want to go there. Um, or, or you can you can talk about their, their actions as long as it's 
as long as it's based on their actions and maybe their decision process, but asking why is, is really... Well, you could, sound like, you could end up sounding like a four-year-old just demanding something, I suppose. So maybe, maybe the spirit of the five whys is good because it says keep digging. And if they reveal anything in the last answer, go, okay, I'm interested you said that. What, what did you mean by it? That's, that's polite, right, isn't it? That's okay. That, that's healthy digging, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, the other thing is it's, it's probably good to uh, way up front to say how long this conversation is going to be for. I'm going to be, you know, this is going to last 10 minutes. So if you do start digging like that, then they'll know, okay, I, he's, he, he's pushing me into a space where I don't really want to go, but I know there's only two minutes left. So, okay, I'll yeah. go there. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, you, you do have to, to be careful how, how dig you dig. Um, we have 11 minutes left. So um, I think, Sam, is there one more? Yeah. Um, uh, so if all of your customers have asked you for a specific development, what questions or conversations would you then have with them? Sorry, say the beginning part again. So if your customers, uh, if all of your customers uh, have asked you for a spe specific development, what questions or conversations would you then have with them? So. I guess this is framed in the context of these, the customer, you know, these folks are buying from you already, rather than you know potential customers. Okay, so they're asking you to develop a specific feature. Is that the gist? Yeah, of perhaps if you've got customers, you and you're you're iterating. You know, you still do customer development once you've you've built your your product. Um, what you know, and but then they've identified a particular thing that they like uh, that you haven't got a feature perhaps. Um, so what are the sort of questions or conversations? I mean, this is my interpretation. Uh, would you then have with them? Okay, so so I guess that that wouldn't really be classed as customer development. That's more um, mm. um, product management. So, um, and um, and so it's a, it's a later phase thing. It's, um, so in that particular case, you have to judge whether whether this is the right thing for you to do or, or not. Um, you then can issue a survey to the rest of your customers to see whether whether this is a, a, a good idea. Now, it may be that because um, there's two things that could happen. One, it's an an, an extra feature or an option that is optional for your users, or it's something that all your users will have to accept because it's a like a, a change in screen or, or um, and so if it's a, if it's something, if they want to change in, in the way the workflow happens and it affects all your customers, then obviously you, you will need to talk to all your customers beforehand. I, I guess that um, raises an interesting point about um, when, when, if ever, do you stop doing <laughs> customer development? Because of course, if you've already built something and you're getting sales and it's beginning to maybe get some traction, that doesn't mean that you stop doing customer development, right? But do you perhaps do it slightly differently? Um, well, well, going back to the start, you know, I remember that customer development is four phases, right? So, so I yeah. guess if you're, you're continually doing customer development. Um, and whereas the mum test is typically to do with, with customer discovery. Um, but once you've moved on to the next step, which is customer validation, where you've, you've honed in on, on the, the, the types of segments that, 
that you're interested in and you'll find trying to dig deep into that particular segment. So in that particular case, it becomes really targeted. You're maybe you're call calling or using your networks to approach customers in that, in that particular segment that you're after. And then if, that's, if that comes back positive, then you're into the next phase, which is customer creation, where you literally change all your marketing and all your emphasis that in for your product to tailor those, those that segment. You become very specific, um, and and you're trying to get that. You're trying to make sure that everyone within that segment hears about you and hopefully become become your customers. And then after that is phase four, which is you know customer growth, uh, um, and there you, you then start branching out. But that third phase, the customer um, creation bit, you do listen to what they have to say, um, but you you do want to make sure that if everybody wants, if it affects everybody, then you get feedback from from everybody, and it could just be a survey that you that you send out. So so in a sense, once once you're up and running. It's less it's less critical in that respect, but presumably you you know you could have been running for five years and you, you could still use customer development techniques to um, test the water for say a new feature or, or an add-on product or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or or, or typically you would you would use um, customer development or customer discovery, the early phases for new market segments. So you've yeah. established yourself in a particular segment, and now you're you're moving into a next segment where you think your, your product suits. Um, now that next segment could be a different um, slice of the population or it could be a new country, right? It could, it's not necessary that it's a particular, um, uh, a new segment within, um, with a different profile. It could be uh, regionally different. So, yeah. Cool. Um Thinking about Steve Blank and the mum test, are there any other key areas of um, the cost development process that you think we've not covered or missed? Have, have we uh, covered anything? What, what should, what, what's that one thing I should have asked you that will come to me in five minutes time when we hang up? <laughs> well, the whole thing about lean methodology is that they, you've probably heard the terms, uh, you know, pivot, fail fast, all those things product market fit. So product market fit is typically at the end of, of the second phase. So it's the end of the customer validation phase. Um, um, so, so although we've spoken about customer development, it's very closely tied to Lean Startup. Um, yeah. And so, and, and including business model canvas or the Lean Canvas, whichever one you want to use, all those things are, are tied into that. And, and going back to the the pitfall that perhaps rookie founders fall into of spending far too long building something before they even have conversations, it, presumably there's, there's nothing wrong with building things at some point, but you should only be doing it in reaction to valid information, right? And so, could you can the sort of cadence of doing this be build a bit, listen a bit, build a bit, or or, or is Customer really always something that you do before you touch, let's say, a line of code or yeah, make so I guess that's where the, the concept of MVP comes along. Yeah. You you build it a little bit and you spend a few bit, you know, a month or whatever building a prototype so that when you eventually talk to customers and, and you get into the, the problem, um, you can then show um, your prototype, your MVP, yeah. uh, uh, to see whether there's any value in it. 
you know, is this a worthwhile thing? So the MVP, so a good MVP would be a a, a sort of company owner's response to good good customer development. Um, Whereas a bad one would be purely just based on their speculation um, or assumptions that they've made. Um, Because it's one of the things I feel like I've seen so so often, um, especially with first timers, and I know I've been guilty of myself, is to kind of fall in love with a business idea and to go away and spend ages making this beautiful thing that may or may not be of any use to anybody whatsoever. And, well, and uh, Okay, so this, you raise a really important thing. Um, so Lean Startup and customer development is, is you make a hypothesis about something and then you go out and validate it, right? Whereas, whereas traditionally the, the previous approach would be you, you design thinking, which is you go and talk to the users, find what problems they have, and then try and come up with solutions. So, so in many ways, customer development is the opposite. It is you come up with something first, and then you go and validate it. But the, the whole point about it is that make sure you come up and you do an MVP, which is not this huge thing you spent millions trying to build. It's, it's a tiny experiment. You go out and you test it out. But you do, so Lean Startup is all about you come up with an idea, you build a small prototype or an MVP, and then you go and validate it. So the idea comes first. Whereas design thinking, which is the more traditional um, approach, is you go and talk to users first, find their problems, and then come up with a solution. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leicester Startups podcast. This session was taken from Leicester Startup Week in February 2021. You can watch it over on our YouTube channel also. And if you like this sort of thing, then stay up to date with our latest news and events by visiting leicesterstartups.com and sign up to our mailing list. Thanks again.